Welcome, Southern Scrap Nation, to another episode of the podcast. Your host, as always, Daniel Jonas, back here. Today is Monday, February 24th, 2020. It is a nice rainy day here in Charlotte, nice 40 degrees, so everywhere else ain't really missing much. Um, we are coming off of a fun-filled weekend of fights, Saturday mostly pe- packed with all different sorts of, you know, crazy fights, whether it be the Dan Hooker, Paul Felder main event to the Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury fight. So we're going to go over all of those as well as talk a little bit about what's coming up this week, um, dive a little bit into what's going on in MMA, the MMA world. Um, and yeah, before we get started, remember to go to iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify uh, to check out all the ep- uh, previous episodes and future episodes. Subscribe, write a review. Love the podcast. Uh, I, supp- I, I really appreciate all the support, especially in this past month. I'm definitely seeing a uptick, and it's great. I'm going to start a Patreon, and hopefully maybe we can take some of this money and add to getting stuff for the walls to make sure that the noise doesn't go out any further and really make this place my podcast studio. And in turn, come back with better quality for you guys. And also, you can find in all of our stuff at SouthernScrapNation.com, as well as I, or as well as Instagram, Facebook, and all those other social media places. So check those out, SouthernScrapNation.com, and SouthernScrapNation, anything else. Okay, so let's get into it. Uh, we, we're going to talk about UFC first, because we'll go in coordinates of time and what, in my mind, made a bigger impact on my night and weekend. So we're going to hit the UFC. There was also some Bellator this past weekend. Not really much to take away from that besides Ed Ruth being beaten by um, – what's his name? What's his name? What's his name? What's his name? It's a Russian name. Um, results. Let's do results. But uh, Ed Ruth, as we all know – well, we can talk about the Tim Johnson uh, Tim, Tim Johnson knockout, huge knockout over for, uh, Fortune, Tyrell Fortune, coming back, making a huge knockout, especially on a guy that's coming up in the world, especially into Bellator, a real heavyweight contender or a real heavyweight prospect, and Tim Johnson upsets upsets the time there at Bellator two thirty nine. Um, I just need the guy's name as far as who beat Ed Ruth. Ricky Bandejas. Oh, yeah, that was a real weird knockout, Ricky Bandejas. The guy caught his kick, and Ricky just hit him while the guy caught his kick. Didn't The guy didn't lift the leg, didn't set Ricky off balance, so Ricky was able to just pull his leg in and knock the guy out. Um... Huh. Am I missing something? Uh, if I find it, once I once I find it, I'll I'll bring it up. Uh, but that was the big thing on Bellator this past weekend. Other than that, then we had the UFC event in New Zealand. So really, in the main event, or yeah, main event, we had Brad Riddle picking up for City Kickboxing. Um, in the overall fight, in the overall card, City Kickboxing went. Uh, one uh, went three and zero. Oh. 
So good job for the guys there. You have a decision from Kai Kai Cara Franca versus Tyson Nam gets the decision in his home country. Uh, Angela Hill coming right back off of a win, very impressive. Coming back with a decision win over um, Loma Lokbunmi. She's a Muay Thai or she's a um, Tiger Muay Thai girl. So Angela Hill coming off of another win, just right after winning here in Raleigh, North Carolina, just a couple of months ago. So she wants to go in and try to make it number seven coming up, and I think it was a pretty. Not one-sided fight, but a, a good enough fight for Angela where she could go take a couple months off, month off, and be right back into it as far as damage-wise come uh, goes. Um, Jake Matthews with the decision over Emil Meek. That was hard fought. Jalen Turner, Kaung his uh, late replacement. And then Zabria Tokhtunov. Man, coming out with that KO against Kevin Aguilar. Round one, hit him with a left hook. Man, ooh, what a fight. Brad Riddle going out there and really imposing his will against Magomed Mustafev, who was a scary lightweight coming into that fight. I mean, knocking out um, Rafael Fis. But on top of that, Brad going out there and kind of eating some Big shots, but still sticking into the game plan, imposing his will, low leg kicks, city kickboxing style, and um, yeah, hard hard fought decision. And then Marcos Rogerio de Lima getting that knockout. <clears throat> I sadly didn't see that fight. No, I saw that fight. I sadly missed the Carolina Kovalkiewicz fight, which this Zan Yan girl won. Poor Carolina. She's on a four-fight losing streak right now. She put out a really sad Instagram video. Man, yeah. She tweeted, or she said, like, this is the first time after a fight I can say, well, this is the first time after a fight that I cannot say I'm okay. And that's sad. That's So hopefully her family and friends around her, and if you are friends with Carolina, or if you are, you know, somewhere in her inner circle... Um, definitely give her a shout out. Good, you know, go give her a hug. Anything, you know, be there for her right now. She definitely could use it. Uh, then Jimmy Crute versus Michael Oljetsku. I don't know. Jimmy Crute with the submission in the first round. There you go. Uh, so Jimmy Crute going back up, or Jimmy Crute just like getting another win. Because he just came off of a loss, of, yeah, to Misha Serkinov. Um, and then Dan Hooker versus Paul Felder in the main event. That was a tough fight for Dan Hooker. If you want to score it for Paul Felder, by all means. But just remember, folks, this fight was in New Zealand. Dan Hooker's from New Zealand. I mean, you know, it's the hometown hero thing. Like, I, I can't blame can't blame it for happening. Um, but Dan Hooker going in there and beating Paul Felder. Paul Felder saying that this might have been his last fight. But, you know, both of them were extremely hurt. I wouldn't be surprised if Dan Hooker was like, I don't want to fight after this either. But that's why he's not out there saying it, because he still wants to be a contender. And he still wants to, he still wants to uh, you know, climb the ladder, get the championship. But I'm pretty sure after every fight, Every fight, uh, every fighter, you know, if it was a 
if it was a five-round war, which that was, you know, every fighter wants to not fight ever again. It fucking sucks. Um, you know, but Dan Hooker with that jab and low kick, racking up those points. Um, yeah. In the end, just outstriking Paul Felder. But Dan Hooker in those last two rounds, uh, he, he really slowed down, and Paul Felder's um, veteran side came out and really, to me, pushed the fight and really showed that Dan Hooker needs to work on that five-round fighting um, output. But that's that comes with just becoming the veteran. Dan Hooker's not had to do that a whole lot. I think he did it with Barbosa, but that time he was getting the shit kicked out of him the whole entire time, and then he got stopped. I think that was a five-round fight. If not, I don't think Dan Hooker's ever... No, he's never had a five-round fight, so this was his first one. He went all five rounds. Yeah. Yeah, so this is the first five-round fight. You know, something he's going to work on. It's fun. Uh, da, da, da. Let's see. Let's see, let's see, let's see. And, yeah, so other than that, so then Dan Hooker moves up in the rankings just by one. And he's starting to enter the, that territory where these top ten guys are going to start gunning for him and he's going to start gunning for them. I mean, I like Winter's already kind of one of those top ten guys, but even more so now. Um, you know, like a Kevin Lee, Justin Gaethje. If he really wants to move up, Justin Gaethje for sure. That'd be a great fight too, Jane Hooker versus Justin Gaethje. You know, it'd be it's a it's gonna be very it, it would side Dan Hooker in that fight considering he's a very good like pick apart striking kind. So a lot of low inside leg kicks, high knees up the middle, uppercuts keeping it long, but fuck, man, Justin Gaethje, he's starting to get better. He's starting to, like, not get better, but he's just focusing more and taking all that unwound potential and compressing it into, like, good fundamentals, patience, and then unleashing it at the right time. So Dan Hooker versus versus Justin Gaethje to me sounds good. Uh, A wrestling striker that has finally found patience in striking and a striker who, you know, whatever. Um, that being said, okay, so why don't we go ahead and we can talk a little bit about the... Yeah, we'll talk about the... Bo- we'll talk about Fury versus Tyson. So that fight was fucking ridiculous. To me, Fury shows the the whole, like, there's levels to this. You can insert the whole Corey Anderson meme there because you forget that just like MMA, boxing, there's game plans to it as well in a sense where, where Tyson Fury, he got heavy and he's like, I'm going to knock Deontay Wilder out. Everyone's mind was, but isn't Tyson Fury one of those like really good technical Muhammad Ali kind of fighters? And he is. 
He is. He's very his his footwork's amazing. His head movement's great. He can stick to the outside and throw the jab. But when he started saying he's going to come in at a heavier weight, um, everyone's saying he was fat and stuff. I was like, that doesn't bode well for a guy that likes to move a lot, a guy that's fleet-footed, a guy that uses good head movement, a guy that likes to stick to the jab and move, as we saw that he had success with in the first Wilder fight. We thought, as a collective of people that thought that Wilder's going to win slash Tyson Fury being a little heavier doesn't make any sense. Fury was winning the first fight. So as far as game plan goes, there's no reason to stray away from it. Just don't get hit this time. Don't make those mistakes. Don't let, you know, just loosen up the knots or uh, fix, the, like, fix the holes. You know, make sure everything's a little bit more tight and precise so that when, when you go in there, you can really dictate if that right hand's going to even be thrown. Which Fury did. He did decide when that right hand's going to be thrown, but he did it in a way that you forget that a boxer could. Fury's been doing this thing since he was a child, and he's been at the professional level since a child. He's been fighting all his life, and he knows how to do... He knows how to fight all different ways. He just fights to what is beneficial to his size and and physical capabilities, right? If I'm a tall 6'5 dude with a long arm, I'm going to jab and move the whole entire time. Duh. It's just an easier win. I reduce the risk of getting damaged, and that's the way it is for me. It's a lot, a lot easier. It's most effective, Right? the smartest way to work without putting in as much effort and being able to extend the longevity of my career. Well, Tyson Fury also knows how to fight Southpaw. Knows how to, just like he knows how to fight Southpaw and just like he knows how to fight Orthodox, he knows how to fight different game plans. Now, there's different ways to fight a heavy power puncher in you can stay away from the power punch, pun, punching by circling to the offhand. So in Deontay Wilder's case, circling to his left. As we know that Deontay hasn't established an amazing hook yet. It hasn't been, which it did knock Tyson Fury down in the first fight. And that was what, I mean, the beginning of what could have been the end. But he doesn't know how to harness that left hook well enough to make his cross, cross hook cross super dangerous. It's mostly just that cross. And then everything else is money after that. Well, Tyson Fury, the other way that you can do it, and I'd like to MMA example to bring the MMA fans into the room so we all have an understanding. When Max Holloway fought Aldo the second time, first time, One of, he, he did opposite game plans. So Max Holloway fighting Aldo the second time circled into Aldo's power side, into his right leg. And just like Tyson did in this fight, he circled towards Deontay's right arm and jabbed. And when he's in jabbing range with those long limbs, Deontay's not in any range. He's in swing, swing and miss range. Or he has to wind up and go for it, and Wilder's going to see that coming. But then there's the other range where he'll jab, gauge Deontay's timing and reaction, 
And if Deontay is loading up for that right hand to do that lunging right hand or whatever with that right hand, Tyson Fury goes past that line and goes straight inwards and starts beating up on the body, starts hanging on the head. Wilder being 270-something pounds, hanging on Deontay the whole entire time, and Deontay coming in heavier. Deontay's not a heavy guy, so being heavier got into Deontay's head and making him heavier, in turn being his own demise, in turn being a double-edged sword for both of them, but a double-edged sword that Tyson Fury is wielding. What I mean by this is, as the rounds go on and Tyson Fury weighs and put his weight on Deontay, forcing him to hold him, putting him in that guillotine, which shout out to Darren Till for probably teaching him that, um, and just making him tired, go to the body, eventually that weight does have an effect when he hit him over the top and dropped Deontay Wilder. Now, now that we see that Deontay Wilder got stopped, now the controversy is, man, I wish Deontay Wilder went on at a shield. Why? He, he, it was one of these moments where Fury, once he knocked him down, Deontay Wilder's game plan, like I said, became his own demise, and in turn... It went from being a close fight in the first fight to a blowout in the second fight. Deontay Wilder, lucky for him, hasn't had a lot of damage in his career, considering he's the one that's causing all of it. And he's had a very short career as far as start to where he is now. That he was getting hurt, he was getting wobbled, he was getting dropped, and he wouldn't stop. But that's his own toughness. That's because of the lack of wear and tear on his own body and getting knocked out himself. But there's no reason for him to continue getting beat from pillar to post. And I think the rep did a good job in the sense of, we've seen enough. We saw where this was going. We don't need any more. And in that case, uh, that's where I agree. I mean... Obviously, yeah, as a fighter, people should go out on their shield, especially for what Dan Hooker and Paul Felder went through for five rounds. Yeah. It was wild. It was two guys, and you see the photo, the two of them in the hospital after. But at the same time, you know, while Deontay still went to the hospital, he still got hurt. I mean, it's a 271-pound dude beating you down. And it all happened within six rounds. A body shot job, Deontay Wilder. Um, or seven rounds. It all happened within seven rounds. It happened in the seventh round. Uh, you see, yeah, just the, the overhand right. I can see the idea of, like, what if the slipping... Oh, it looked like he got slipped, but not really. I mean, Deontay Wilder, the problem with his fundamentals, his feet get his feet get crossed underneath him. He's got no balance. So even even if it was a slip, even if it it, you know, he didn't get quote unquote knocked down or whatever. 
that's where there's levels to this. Like, it's considered a knockdown. You get, I mean, if your feet get caught under you, you get punched and you fall, it's a knockdown. That's your fault for not having the fundamentals. But that 271 pounds, that's a lot. Especially with perfect technique, hitting him over the top, busted his ear open. So. You know, you know. I think it was awesome. Tyson Fury, um, I think they might run it back. I think I think they need to. It might be in their contract that they have to run it back. But, man, what a fight. So let's talk about a little bit of what happened this weekend in the news. Um, Nogueira and Shogun Hua now set at UFC 250, which there's rumors that Amanda Nunes will be there as well competing, but Nogueira versus Hua for the trilogy, which is fucking wild. Um, they're, they're talking about Nogueira to probably retire after trilogy with Shogun Hua. They should probably just both retire. That fight should be whoever, lo- or win or lose, you both retire. That should be in the contract. That should be in Diego Sanchez's new contract, too. Any fight that the guys, these guys sign that they shouldn't be fighting in there should be like, you're signing this knowing this is your last fight. Um, let's see. Let's see. Henry Cejudo, Justin Gaethje team up for Connor Kala. I don't need that. That's cringy. Um, not much more to talk about. The only thing that no shout out to Priscilla Cachoeira for getting her first win in the UFC, going from being. Man, one of the worst beatdowns I've ever seen to getting an uppercut KO. So, shout out to her. Now, as far as news goes, as far as gossip goes, the only bad, like not bad thing, but the only thing of note is Israel Adesanya's trash talk in reference to 9-11. Listen, he said, um, he's human like anyone else, everyone likes to make that myth about, oh, he's like steel, kicking steel, or you hit him, he doesn't fall. I'll touch him enough times, he'll eventually crumble like Twin Towers. Okay, it's a joke about the Twin Towers. I get it. It's insensitive. It's awful. It's offensive. What about all those people that died during it? Bro, he's from New Zealand. Chill. People have died in much... Other, like other acts of terrorism all over the world all the time and people here make joke of it all the time we're f- making fun of the coronavirus thousands hundreds of thousands of people die are dying in china right now and we got memes about it all the time you can't pick and choose what you get offended about it doesn't work that way if you have a problem with it go fucking confront him about it go fight style bender about it other than that, it, what are we fucking arguing? What are we getting offended about? We're, we're literally getting offended about twi- the Twin Towers jokes. He didn't even make offense about the people that died in it, which he talks about in his apology. He, the comment in this last story, sum, this, is his, this is his apology. The comment in the last story sums up how I feel about the situation. 
I never made a joke about people dying or made light of the tragic event that was 9-11. I was simply rambling, and my brain worked faster than my mouth in a moment to choose the wrong euphemism. For those that aren't smart and get at me for it, if you have a conversation, your brain sometimes works faster than your mouth, especially if you're a guy as creative and smart as Israel who's doing press all the time, he's coming up with, he's trying to come up with a joke off the fly. He's trying to be charismatic. He's trying to be a lot of things that a lot of people are not. He's very successful at it. But there's a lot of times where people are going to get onto a, onto a batter's mouth or a batter's, into the batter's box and swing. And sometimes they're going to be fucking grand slams. And sometimes you're going to miss. Now, is this a miss? Not necessarily. I thought it was pretty clever. It's um, a continue on. You speak on the mic enough times, and you're bound to miss the mark with some bars. Exactly. I did, I did on this one, and for that, I'm sorry. I'll be more careful in the future with my words. And that's the most you can ask for. I think he was... I mean, he was making the reference into the towers themselves falling because we have an actual visual picture and video of those towers falling. So in my mind, I get it. I get the euphemism because the way I can see his mind working is I'm going to... I'm going to hit him enough times and he'll eventually crumble like the Twin Towers. So you can visualize the Twin Towers crumbling. Now, for a lot of people that visualize that, it immediately gets them offended because... The terrorist attack on September 11, 2001 saw north and south towers of the World Trade Center fall after two passengers, passengers jets slammed in the building. Nearly 3,000 people lost their lives during that horrific event. People in New York are going to be upset about it, and fair. They can always be upset about it, especially if they live during it. The people that were firefighters during 9-11 can be pissed about it. You know, There are certain people that I get that can be offended by it. But motherfucker, if you live in Connecticut and you're offended by it and you've never once been to New York or you weren't even anywhere near New York during 9-11, shut the fuck up. It's not your thing to be upset about. It's at this point, at this point, it's not. Fucking 11 years later or... Not nine years later. No, 11 years later. No, what am I saying? Fucking 19 years later. You can't be offended at it anymore. Like, it happened. Especially if you're not, you weren't around for it. We've had other things happen that have killed more than 3,000 people since then. Currently going on right now. And if this is the comment that you want to ride or die on, and this is what you're going to fucking get real upset about him for, and you're going to lose a fan over, like, good. Fucking good. You're not, like, you don't obviously care. You never cared to begin with. Israel's given you so much more, and then you're going to fucking bury him, and, 
I mean, the only person that brought this to light was Costa. And if you're going to ride with Costa, you all can shut the fuck up because he's Brazilian. He has no business in this at all. You're going to be upset about this. I'm Brazilian. I don't, I, well, my aunt was actually working in New York at the time. But as far as like my, half my family is Brazilian. I don't get offended by this stuff because I don't have a connection to it. It doesn't hit me. It doesn't, it's not my thing to be offended of. It's not my, but even then, like, I can't be offended by anything because it's not, you know, it's not my business to be. If someone wants to say something about it, then they, it's, their, it's their words. I can't be offended by it. I'm just grown up. I just fucking close my ears and be like, well, that's not very nice or whatever, whatever the case may be. But for this, it, it doesn't hit me, so... I just thought it was a euphemism he was using, and I kind of moved on to the next sentence and focused on what the rest he was going to talk about. But for Costa to go out of his way to bring it up just so he can... Because for those that really want to know the truth, Costa doesn't care about 9-11, folks. What Costa cares about is about getting the fans that care about Israel making that joke to now join his side, so that way when he gets in the octagon and he makes a and he fights uh, Israel, they have a bigger fight, and he makes more money. <gasps> Whoa! He's trying to make more money. Yeah, because they're... Like... No one's... Israel's not... Israel may have messed up on his words, but fucking Costa's trying to... trying to profit off of it. He's trying to make news about it. And you guys can just... Get offended and be offended by the words that are happening, but whatever. When the ticket sales happen and all those people that were offended buy tickets to go watch Israel get knocked out by Costa or people buy the pay-per-view to watch Israel get knocked out by, like, just remember, you are now, you're now funding that joke, that you're now funding that euphemism. You're now in turn giving money to Israel saying that. And then in turn, you're now funding what you're offended by. So, good job. Good job, everyone. Good job getting to Twitter and really tweeting about it. Good job, guys. We really did it. We're fighting terrorism one day at a time, getting offended by jokes. All right. Fucking dumb. Um, Izzy, I, I, this guy's got a fight to worry about. He's got to fight you well. And you're all worried about the words he's saying? Bro, He's got to wear. He's got to come out and write an apology for you guys. He's got to go fight Yoel Romero. The fuck is wrong with y'all? This is ridiculous. This guy's got to go fight a monster, and he said some words that are hurtful. Israel's got the chance of getting knocked out by this monster, <coughs> and you're worried because a couple of words don't make you feel good inside. Jeez, grow up, grow up. You're watching MMA. You're in the MMA world. These people fight each other. How are these same fans getting offended by words? Unbelievable. 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 But this weekend, we do have a fight that's not offensive. Because it's the inaugural featherweight championship. Actually, it's not inaugural, but it's it's for the vacant featherweight championship because that whole thing that happened down there. Um, 
But Joseph Benavides versus Davidson Figueiredo will be fighting each other for this open, vacated spot at featherweight. I love this fight. Um, both these guys are, have climbed up the featherweight rankings on their own ladders, beaten each guy that has come in front of them. Um, I mean, Joseph Benavides with a nice-sounding record of 28-5. and five. And then Davidson Figueiredo with a nice record of 17-1. and one. Experience, high level. It sucks that they're 125 pounds because a lot know a lot of people aren't going to tune in for it. But I will be. I think it's a great fight. I mean, just think about the potential. Joe for Joe, I think it would be great if he wins. He fucking retires. I don't care. What I mean, retirement would be awesome for him at this point. Like, I mean, if he wins, there's nothing more for him. And then Davidson Figueiredo, if he wins, I guess you have a new flyweight king in a way because if you look through the people that he's beaten at flyweight and emphatically he's submitted tim elliott and you're talking about tim the fuck elliott the 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 guy that submits people uh he decisioned alexander pantoja and that dude's a monster and then he had the he had joseph formiga where juicy went to the decision on that so that opens up that opens up a little bit of a space for him and, like, GCA to, to like, continue the flyweight, like, do a rematch and keep it going. But eventually this flyweight division's going away. So, you know, is there to keep it going, and I think Joseph Benavidez is there to retire it. So... That being said, I'll get more into it on Wednesday, and hopefully there'll be more news by then, and then I'll do an actual breakdown of the whole card, and then do a little bit of talking of the March 7th card. Ooh. So, that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode, and it will be out today, and until next time, enjoy your week. I hope you had a great Monday. Remember, folks, SunscrapNation.com. SunscrapNation on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play. Go write a review. Um, please. I, uh, I really appreciate the growth that we've had this past month, and I appreciate all the fans out there with all the downloads. Um, it means a lot to me. And in turn, I will try to give back as much as I can, and I'm going to go ahead and set this Patreon up. And really, let's really get this thing going. Um, that being said, like I said, enjoy the rest of your week. Um, and, oh, yeah. SouthernScrapNation.com, Instagram, Facebook, and you can email us. All right. I appreciate it, guys. Uh, until next time, until Wednesday, stay safe.